okay, let us do this fucking episode. Yes. I got, yes. I got, I got it all like, oh my God, I got wine is what I got. Okay. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Dear listeners, and welcome to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. This is Melissa, and once again, I'm here to give you some background on the episode you are about to hear. This episode was recorded on May 10th, 2016. So unlike our previous episode, the audio isn't over a year old, but it's really close. So it's another one of those episodes that was recorded prior to our unplanned hiatus last year. So after we returned with more topical subjects, uh, this episode continued to wait for a gap in our schedule. So that gap is here and now you get to hear it. So in this episode, please keep in mind that we're talking from a perspective that is about 11 months out of date. Um, it was actually kind of interesting going back in editing this episode because uh, some of the things we're talking about that were then in the future have now come to pass. So it's interesting to see what we were right about and what we weren't so right about. So hopefully you'll also be entertained by that. Now, after this episode, we will continue to release the four remaining unreleased episodes, but we'll do that here and there in between episodes that contain newer content. So you won't have to wait a couple months before we finally get cracking on recording new stuff. Um, I'm hoping to get all of the old stuff out by July or so, maybe? I shouldn't make promises. But anyway, without further ado, here's what we were thinking about regarding the Marvel movies last year. Welcome, dear listeners, to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and I'm joined, as always, by my cohort in Austin, Texas, all the way across the country. <laughs> there she is down there, giggling. Hello, Wendy. Hey. hey. And we are here once again with our friend, David the Captain. Say hello. Hello. Yes, hello. Oh, Captain, my captain. <laughs> that is correct. I'm saluting back. <laughs> so uh, you may remember him from our previous episode about uh, Captain America Civil War. And we mm. are going to kind of continue upon that thread because we are, you know, recording this on the same night, even though you're hearing this many weeks later. No. Yeah. And we are, and we are recording this on the second half of the bottle of wine or whiskey in my case or straight vodka oh that <laughs> bottle is dead oh bye bye bottle oh you got you got to holy fix moly that. your bottle's oh, broken oh no i've got i got a full glass out of that so oh, okay. i think we're okay we're good i think we're good crisis averted crisis <sighs> mm. so i believe you know since we've already gotten the drinks out of the way <clears throat> um oh wait but we didn't tell them what we're drinking oh that's true I, I, 
I mean, it may have been weeks since you posted this. They don't remember. That's I very barely true. remember. I am drinking still the Acantus Tempranillo Cabso blend. So I am drinking a red wine varietal from Spain, and I like it. You are I just do. fancy. You're just fabulous. <laughs> I am fabulous, and I've got a cougar board going on, let me tell you what. All right, you go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little drunk. Oh, <laughs> I got to refill my water. I'm sorry. Are you going to need to send? <laughs> are you going to send Fess out for donuts? Is that the kind of drunk that's going oh, on over there? He's not home yet. If, what? if we got to re- Oh, he's working. He works okay. till 10. What is he doing? He's working. Yeah, but doing what? Home Depot. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Although he he keeps bringing home electrical equipment and plants. Well, that's unsettling. Someday he's just going to turn into a Batman villain. Yes. He's going to be (laughs) somewhere in between poison ivy and firebug or something. I don't know. So what are you drinking, Melissa, real quick, before I, I ask you another question? I am drinking Bushmills whiskey once again, because that is a very big jug of Bushmills whiskey that I am very slowly waking my, making my way through. And by God, somebody's got to do it, and you're the girl who's going to do it. I shall soldier on for the good of the world. That's right. So how's married life treating you, Melissa? Well, it's pretty- <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much like single life, except uh, uh, I have a marriage certificate and um, there are additional fees on <laughs> my paycheck from work mm. because uh, he's on my insurance. <laughs> I just love, it's like single life, but there are additional fees. <laughs> there are additional fees. <laughs> I imagine it all washes out in taxes, but I won't find that out until next year. <laughs> it, it, it all works out. I will say that, um, okay. you know, the benefits of Chris far outweigh the, the negatives. Ha. I, I have more terminology for him, so I, I suppose that's good. Yeah, right? Yeah, Husband is, is really nice shorthand. It is. It is. Yeah, it really, because boyfriend is like, well, he's my boyfriend, but I've been living with him for years. And like... Mm, partner well oh you guys have no idea the difficulties of the terminology when you're dating i tell you it's complex are you yeah, mansplaining our own relationships to us i am the only person who's single here apparently so <laughs> i have my own dilemmas yes you do my friend you have many dilemmas that's right my you, life is complicated you've only had two vodkas and now we have a whole new davis <laughs> sorry <laughs> Yeah, but he's got no body fat to suck that to soak up that stuff. This is true. I am lightweight these days. Sorry. Bravo. Amazing. A cheap date. David, I just recently found the pictures of when we went to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, and I oh, I love you. I love you too. We should we should go do that again. Yes, I'm on board. Let us do this thing. Yeah. Melissa and I are going to New Orleans in a couple of weeks. And oh, really? I'm so yeah. excited. We're That's going, awesome. We're going to Boozneyland. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> wow. I went Melissa, to New Orleans a couple years ago. I made a, a list ago. of shit to do. Uh, I looked up restaurants and bars and ooh. yeah. Oh, I can show you places, Wendy. Wow. <laughs> oh, I feel like I feel like you can, my friend. Oh, yes. I feel like you can. And, and we're going right. to have beignets. Because they're not just donuts down there. They're beignets. Oh, huh. I want the fucking beignets. Mm. Oh, I want the beignets, baby. Bring oh, it. And right across the street, there's... I'm going to eat a po' boy as big as my head. 
Yes. <laughs> now, what is that? Because I'm envisioning something probably inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> now, po' boy is a sandwich. Ah. A giant fucking sandwich. All right. It's not a sandwich. It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. Sandwich. But it's a sandwich, like with fried mussels and and shrimp and. Oh, I haven't had I'm that. Mostly, like, you can eat the New Orleans food because I'm not big on seafood, and I know that's a crying mm. shame to go to New Orleans without eating seafood. Mm. I'm big on the New Orleans liquor, so I'll make up my part. It'll be okay. <laughs> Just I, beignets and hurricanes. That's okay. I'll, I'll eat all your seafood because last time I was down there, a black family showed me how to eat crawdads, mm. <laughs> and that was oh, great. I got to see that shit. <laughs> I oh, gotta see great. that shit in person. You, you pinch okay, the tail said, and suck the head. That's what you do. You know what? That's what he said. I like um, life, yes. You can get t-shirts with that on it. Just saying. <laughs> we already introduced, we did our booze. Melissa, what's our topic? I think we kind of defined it as the the power dynamics and social commentary in superhero movies, at least the, the modern ones that we've been seeing coming out. So Focusing mostly on MCU. Yeah, mostly on MCU and, you know, maybe and the Apocrypha, the the um, Marvel movies being made outside of Marvel Studios. So mm-hmm. the, the 20th Century Fox ones, the Sony ones, etc. And probably, you know, touching a bit on the DC movies coming mm-hmm. out because, you know, because they're failing. Well, mm. they. No, I'm they, gonna say it. I'm gonna be the one who says it. Let's be did, honest. How did Batman versus Superman do money wise? Does it do all right or no? I don't remember. I don't know. I thought it was a fair movie. Mm. Did you see I it or no? I have nope. You're oh. the only one who's seen it. I haven't seen and it. Yeah. I I have basically have heard a lot of people hate on it. It's probably just an okay movie, mm-hmm. but. Like, well, the if we want to dive into it, it like, the problem I'm hearing is that they have decided to take these beloved characters in a new direction, but they haven't set up enough context for them to make that pivot. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that to Superman, you need to really fucking justify it. And you haven't yet. Yeah, mm. it's the, we're going to make this dark and gritty without really needing to make it dark and gritty there's there are reasons to take Batman dark and gritty, but mm-hmm. to take Superman dark and gritty, you have to earn that. And they haven't earned that. And and you you need some reflection on it. I was um, hmm. Melissa and I are talking about bringing my friend Ray on to talk about the DCU more extensively. So I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it too much. Yeah. But we had a lovely long conversation while driving out to a winery. Hello, welcome <laughs> to my life. I'm sorry. Uh, um, we had a long conversation about the DCU, and basically both of us agreed that the problem with Superman versus Batman is that a movie is missing. Mm. At the end of at the end of Man of Steel, you had Superman kill, and now at the start of Superman versus Batman, you just have him moving forward as a superhero, and you don't have that moment where he is both visible as a superhero and liked. Mm-hmm. I saved the world. There's a there's a bit of that. There's a bit of that in the uh, in Batman versus Superman. They start off with. Oh, there are but, people who are worshiping Superman as a hero. Like, there's a bit of... But they move very quickly beyond mm. that. And you don't really have Superman. And I'm I, this is what Ray was saying as somebody who had seen Superman versus Batman. And she's a big DCU fan. She mm-hmm. watches all of the TV series. Mm-hmm. She's like, 
he didn't really wrestle with the fact that he had killed, which would have been a big no-no for Golden Age ba- Superman to right. kill somebody. He mm-hmm. doesn't really wrestle with that. He doesn't really get True. a moment to just be the superhero. And then on top of that, you throw in Batman being introduced where the film that's missing is the film that is Superman 2. And at the end of that, you imp- introduce Batman. Yeah. Well, one of the weird also, things... when you have you Batman ahead. and Superman immediately introduced and then start fighting... Like, you need to establish their relationship before they start fighting well, because now, you now, need to first now, be invested in them being friends. Well, That's what, what you're makes saying it is drama. not what happened in the movie, though. Um, I mean, they, they didn't immediately start fighting. Um, in the movie, the only reason I really wanted to bring it up was how many similarities there were to Captain America Civil War is because in the movie, there's also a similar, like, oh, tragedy in a... In a uh, African country that we've made up kind of a thing happens where Superman saw this is at the very beginning Superman saves Lois Lane and then a whole bunch of local Africans die um and then he <laughs> dead feels Africans dead I know Africans. I know and it's a similar kind of thing though where there's like oh now we need to have laws about who has superpowers and it's it's almost the exact same thing of a registration act for superheroes mm-hmm. um uh, but it's Batman who does not have superpowers and he says well yeah yeah Superman uh made all this destruction and then there's a backstory where they show Batman in New York when everything is being blown up with the fight between Superman and Zod and Batman just sees Superman as this guy who has superpowers and who doesn't care about collateral damage everywhere um, and so there's a bit yeah. of there's there's time spent before they actually fight which building is, it up, which is interesting because in the comics usually it's Lex Luthor taking that position of Superman is dangerous. Superman has the power of the god. I don't care what his morals are. This is something that needs to be controlled. And that was still totally that was still Lex Luthor's position, but he was using Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, they were aiming for Kingdom Come. Well, yeah. They were mm. aiming for these epic stories. And it's like, mm. why those stories had weight is that you had the background of the two of them being allies. Maybe not allies That's that true. always saw eye to mm-hmm. eye. But when the first thing you do with this character is make it antagonistic. Yeah. That's not the way you want to start that relationship. It's no. no. Well, yes, like, no, though. It's not good in a way, what they're doing, although it has so many similarities with Captain America: Civil War, this movie is the beginning of them doing a Justice League of people coming together. So they're at the opposite end of the Avengers kind I of just, a thing. I just feel like DCU is rushing it. They want to get to sure. the Avengers now because that's where MCU is, and I agree. what they are, what they are missing, what is so fucking obvious to me is. Slow down, do it right. People will watch all of your build-up movies because they'll be excited for where they go to. You don't need to jump in where Marvel is. Yeah, no. yeah, and it's pretty clear from this movie. So, but let me backtrack a little bit and say that like the movie's enjoyable. Like, I do not think it's a bad movie, and there's plenty of bad superhero movies. Melissa has a big list of all of them right in front of me, actually. Yeah. Like, there's tons uh, of bad... Oh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, my God. Electra. Oh, my God. Electra just... is atrocious. Oh, God. Just so Electra. many. Oh, oh, Catwoman. Oh, man. Oh, oh my God. That, like... <laughs> Melissa, don't make me throw up in my ah. mouth. <laughs> but, I mean, compared to all those, the Batman versus Superman, or is it Superman versus Batman? Eh, whatever. It, it, like, it's a decent movie, but... Uh, it's kind of redundant with Civil War in so many ways because it's the same thing. But again, you know, like the main point. So when we were talking about like, oh, what is this about? Um, and in my opinion, 
when I look at movies, I often think about how huge these movies are worldwide because they're viewed by audiences. Even if uh, worldwide audiences can't afford movie tickets, these are all just illegally just downloaded and everyone watches them. Mm-hmm. And so whatever cultural norms we are kind of purveying in them, this is why people get you know in such an uproar about uh, whitewashing of race and different things like that in these movies. It's like on the one hand, it's like, well, don't overreact. It's just a movie. But on the other internationally people really do like accept various movie tropes as social norms worldwide that you wouldn't even think of and so to me it's really interesting to think about these movies from that perspective of a well well what what norms about power relations are being pervaded in these about authoritarianism versus democracy you know it's kind of knee-jerk reaction to say you know oh yeah captain america is going to say democracy is great but at the same time there's so many of these characters are superheroes and so many of these characters are you know they're purveying their power just from a sense of that they have power. You know what I mean? There's not collaboration or collectivist strategies for, like, what should mm-hmm. be done with these powers? And that's the big question to me in kind of all of them, like the X-Men movies and their registration act. You know, like all well, of them. It's what Marvel has always done well, which is tell social stories. Right. Where mutants stand in for whatever is the persecuted class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it's it's a really good lens to look at things through i mean and it's a good reminder that these movies that we make they get viewed from other lenses mm-hmm. they get viewed from lenses all around the world with a different perspective and yeah it's good to remember that they're like we are a melting pot we are a hugely diverse country we are an enormous Mm -hmm. geographical bit of land Mm -hmm. like representation fucking matters here in america Mm -hmm. but what are we also saying about what it means to be these things worldwide what are we saying about what america believes about race and about gender one of my favorite topics in geography is um is like the geography of media and this is actually a big area of the U of M before the main professor in it, Roger Miller, was killed in a motorcycle accident Aww. about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just been kind of a, a dead area locally. But for example, so like the X-Men movies, these worldwide are seen as movies where people who very strongly identify with them who are gay, bi, or like kind of uh, have gender um not fluidity yeah gender fluidity right and people see x-men as a as a a reaching out to them and oh absolutely yeah yeah oh fuck yeah i mean especially when you get to have you tried not being a mutant yeah yeah i mean uh, that's one of the really interesting things to me is how you know the the avengers and the captain america and the marvel universe movies it's like they're kind of they're similar but different because X-Men was really focused on that discourse at that time, but that was also kind of a different time for America, whereas in America, we're starting to kind of overcome those issues at least uh, more than we were. And it's like, so have we kind of moved on cinematically from those? Is that's why, is that why Captain America Civil War was less focused on the whole Registration Act thing, you know, uh, compared I to X-Men? I feel or? like the apocryphal like more the X-Men films mm-hmm. are about personal identity. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like the MCU is more about national identity. 
Hmm. It may be. I mean, like, what, like I mean, about when you're when you're Shield about... versus Hydra, mm-hmm. Captain America, like Captain America, military, yeah, there's a na- yeah, there's a nationalism, versus... governmentality versus you're right versus Iron yeah. Man, corporate, yeah, or also individualistic, entrepreneurial, right? I think like, I think it's very interesting come to look into play at in different the, ways. Uh, I think it's very interesting to look at what the driving forces are behind these movies. Yeah. And when you're looking at most of the X-Men movies, mm-hmm. not all of them, but almost all of them, the driving force behind it is Brian Singer. Yeah, yeah. Brian Singer yeah. being a gay man. Yeah. Who um, I think very clearly sees himself in the X-Men. <laughs> and a lot of kids well, reading yeah, I mean, these it's did, fair to right? Say, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's fair to say that for the longest time, homosexuality was seen as a... A mutation and other mm, and outside of the right. norm. Yeah, and and I mean the X Men can you know stand in for any persecuted uh, population, of course. But, but also, I, liter- yeah. literally, think about how gendered that term is. X Men. Yeah. I'm not a man anymore, right? Or something like Mystique is is literally more transgender than any human would ever be, right? Yeah. Like these are yeah. really oh, yeah. great she can metaphors. Be anything she wants mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why specifically that kind of uh, uh, viewing audience and kids reading these, uh, you know, when these were published in the comic books really identified with them and maybe less so with the whole Avengers group, right? Uh, I mean, am I wrong or what do you think? I I I think the strongest thing about X-Men is that the opposing forces are only 10 degrees off from each other. Yes. Because because, uh, Professor Xavier and uh, uh, Magneto are in agreement mm. of basically what needs to happen, mm-hmm. except Magneto is far more militant about it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Professor X is more interested in working with society at large. Well, the, they, always say, they always say yeah. that it's the, the Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X thing, right? Right, yeah. right. Yeah. right. Like, like, things need to change. Society needs to know we're here, and they need to acknowledge us and accept us. How are you going to make that happen? It's even similar to the Marxist discourse of, okay, is it revolution or is it reform, right? Well, one is like, oh, reform. We will make some laws and make progress and they'll, it'll be piecemeal. And the other one is, no, not settling for that. Our people mm-hmm. are still being persecuted. It's revolution, right? right. It's, it's a similar argument that's done it again and again. Yeah, yeah. I and- think we all know I'm a Hamilton, not a Burr. So <laughs> I'm going to... Ah. I'm going to go for revolution every time. Mm. That's right. I'm not throwing away my shot. All right. But so but, like we have I the mean, X-Men. But go I mean, ahead. going back to, I mean, Brian Singer being yeah, kind of the yeah. driving force behind X-Men. Yeah. The MCU are being driven forward by a whole team of people. It's a corporation. It is Marvel mm. and now Disney as well. So it's interesting that they've oh. kind of started getting into this more... Everything is corporate. Everything is government. You know, big. You know, it's larger big. narratives, not individualistic. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Well, that's true. I think that's also. I think that is a very wise comment you've made, Melissa. Because mm-hmm. I would say the problem with the DCU is that they don't have a clear vision. They don't have oh. one. Per, like they don't have a clear vision overriding. They're trying to chase what Marvel's doing. That's their vision. And that yeah. is not a good vision. But it means that they're like, oh, Brian seems to know what he's doing. Let him do whatever. They don't have mm-hmm. a clear central authority that's like, no, that's outside of scope. We're yeah. not going there yet. We will mm-hmm. get there, but not yet. You know what? Let's tease it. But no, don't go there yet. The thing is that, yeah, Feige is the mastermind, but... 
Feige also has a lot of smart people around him who are also helping him shape his vision. So where MCU is really succeeding is, yes, that collaboration, but also a very clear vision of we're going to trust we have time to tell all these stories. Right. And instead of trying to get there now, we're going to allow this story and then this story and then this story. And so we have to make sure each of those stories stands on their own, but also know what they're building to. It is a longer game plan and it is something that DCU has not yet invested in. Yeah. And they, they, and they, they should just not... want, they just want, they just want Singer to do the work for him and hope that he does it right. Well, and it's well, like well, they Singer's feel not, yeah. Singer's not behind the. No, but the, but there's like the only movies that are succeeding are the Singer ones. And I feel like they keep going, well, he knows what to do. Well, Singer I would be is... surprised if they brought him in on another in on one of the Batman. Singer ones. works on X-Men, not Batman and Superman. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to bring him in. But, mm. but that, they're oh, kind of no, doing. I see what you're saying. They're I doing see what a you're pseudo, saying. a pseudo I mean, singer, though. I can see I what apologize. she's saying. I apologize. But I'm getting. No, I, I have mean, been drinking. It's uh-huh. an even number. No, episode. but they're doing like a sweet and low. Like, can't we just carbon copy what the other people have done on DC? And yeah. it's like they're going through the motions of what the other successful X Men or yeah. Avengers have done, just carbon copying it. And it's like, well, you can't can't just do that, right? Yeah, they don't. They don't have. They're they do right now. Now this. That said, I'm not talking about the tv series which seem to be doing okay this mm. is strictly movie universe oh, stuff, no, but the tv series are knocking it out of the park right yeah. and that's i think the biggest mistake that they are making is they are they are delivering the goods they know what they're mm-hmm. doing on tv and they're like yeah. no it's they have stated it's two separate universes right that's and, a mistake because yeah the is flash is super fun the arrow is very gritty yeah. enjoyable it's a that's a mistake and it's because yeah. they want to they want their movies to be super dark and gritty it's like you know what the flash on tv is super popular clearly people don't want a fucking dark angsty flash they want that guy but the well, arrow is too and that's dark and gritty but no they have the history of the christopher nolan batman films which did work <clears throat> ah, but that's, that's because it was nolan and and nolan was given pretty much free reign with what he wanted to do and they thought exactly. you know maybe that applies to mm-hmm. superman no it doesn't apply to superman Who the problem directed- is you don't they don't have a guiding light of um here what marvel is doing right is mm-hmm. they have a leader who goes who is able to assemble these people who go this is the epi- essence of spider-man this is the essence mm-hmm. of ant-man this is the essence of thor mm-hmm. and those properties all or you know the movies that these characters are used in Mm -hmm. they are really hardwired around those characters and Mm -hmm. what the core of those characters are whereas dc is kind of going we want dark and gritty how do we do that for green lantern how do we do that for bat for superman Superman, yeah and how do we do and and that is not the way you do it okay okay superman the core of superman is the boy scout the core the core of superman is mythology you go clash of the titans on that shit you Mm. don't you don't go dark and gritty on on superman it's like they went oh look batman is established dark and gritty therefore superman dark and gritty make it happen Mm. and and you know everybody's going dark and gritty the the right now the the brave thing to do would be to go okay if we're going to do green lantern we're going to do fucking hal jordan and we're going to make it fun we're going to make it a legend we're going to make, make it ant-man it hero we're going to make mm. it awesome and and but no you can do that i i disagree mcu is not making dark and gritty 
And MCU, MCU is not. And yeah. that's another MCU, way of saying MCU understands the difference between drama and angst. Oh, yeah. and that's absolutely. Well, and think true. about how bright the Avengers is. Yeah. Like the opposite of dark and gritty, right? Like right. everyone's like you know sp- spangly outfits, right? Even the guy who's mocking someone for having a spangly outfit is you know a golden bright red outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're all lighthearted and jovial and having a good old time. And like, what made more yeah. money than the Avengers, you know? Yeah, like Tony is bright red. Now, they've muted the colors on Cap. They've muted the co- the red on Ant-Man a little bit. But mm. they're not afraid of these people being ca- in costumes. What they've done is they've made the costume work. They've yeah. said, yeah. okay, if this is what the costume is, why would they fucking wear it? Mm. okay then let's make that realistic well, yeah. and it doesn't matter that it's red if you're going to be the size of a fucking ant who cares if you're red now what right? do you think about did they do that with the x-men or did they just not do that with the x-men I, like it feels like i don't know the comics that well x-men i feel like is in the in-between zone okay like yeah. um they they get realistic i feel the like prequels they tell the are kind of bright they tell the story really well yeah mm-hmm. like it is drama without angst. They're not mm-hmm. trying to make them gritty. They're not trying to recast these characters into a more dark and sad framework. Yeah. Everything that's happened in the X-Men is true. Like Dr. Xavier, like, yeah, he got his spine shot out. He's now in a wheelchair. That's And that's going to fuck your shit up. Like, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. angst. That's true. Like, there's mm-hmm. a difference between true and angst. Like, mm-hmm. um, like Eric... His parents were in a concentration camp. He got tortured mm-hmm. with experiments by this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. That's not angst. That's true. And maybe that's the difference is that the Marvel characters have are, always had more, more background that was fucked up. And maybe that's the difference. Like Batman, his background was more fucked up. Like, And it leads to more personality conflict. Well, it, well mm. that's all the... It, the the motivations are inherent in the in the characters, whereas you know there's no reason for Superman to be a Boy Scout except that he had a good upbringing in Kansas, you know, mm. and that's um, it is very non-specific. Yeah, yeah. it's very non-specific. But huh. with Superman, you are not building a human being; you are building a hero. You are building a legend. You are building mythology, and that that is what DC is doing wrong. It's that hmm. they they aren't seeing their characters for what they are. They're trying to do the Marvel thing with the DC characters, which doesn't really work because that's not what they're designed to do. Hmm. Yeah, the Marvel characters were always people who got powers. Yeah, where oh. whereas a lot of the DC characters are, you know, you've got Wonder Woman's a goddess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Superman Superman's is an alien. God, yeah. yeah, and and you know, Hal, Hal Jordan is this super competent pilot who gets the the powers to you know travel across the galaxy. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 legend building. Yeah, even Aquaman is basically an underwater Thor, right? Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> like really. <laughs> I like no, Aquaman. I just love under, underwater. Oh, I like oh, Aquaman yeah. too. You know, Aquaman f- was always a favorite, and people gave me shit about it. But I what love Aquaman. Else? Aquaman. I was the only one. Shit, man. I was awesome. I was the blonde kid growing up, and I'm like, you know what? All the superheroes in Justice League, he's the one that I can actually costume like. <laughs> I'm totally dressing up like Aquaman <laughs> at Convergence this next year. Dolphins. Oh yes, totally. You yes, yes, yes. I Cosplay that shit. Are you going to do you the one what? with the hook or the just you know classic Aquaman? I was thinking classic since they're rebooting him with oh, Jason good. Momoa. You, I thought it would no. be my last chance to be blonde Aquaman, right? No, well, no, you need to bend that. You need to you need to period bend that. I would love a mm. thin man Aquaman. What? Like give me like a 
teen, early 30s suit Aquaman. That would be Ooh. the shit. No, I'm oh, thinking nice. I'm thinking Super Friends with the orange and yeah, the green. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, maybe mm. they can pull that off, but how fun would it be to be do, to do something a little different, right? Mm, I'm game like, for whatever. Like a nice do like a, a nice ah. suit, like any and you know Aquaman, he wouldn't wear a shirt, he'd just wear the vest and be like, "What? I'm dressed up." Ha. <laughs> I'm game. Like yeah, I said before, I they're going to have Jason Momoa and Dreadlocks all change it up soon. So this is my last last hurrah to do an Aquaman that I grew up with. Like, yeah, <laughs> the Aquaman is the shit. And especially when you cast him as underwater Thor. Like now yes. all I'm picturing is a wet Chris Hemsworth. And that is really oh. okay. Which, which oh, was my happy space. some people that's the only part <laughs> they liked of Age of Ultron was the huge gratuitous scene of Chris Hemsworth in a hot tub for some reason naked. You Why was what? that necessary? Let's- Let's talk about the female gaze. That is yeah, totally yeah. necessary. Let's, get, let's pick, get back to the original subject. Let's talk about power dynamics and superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it oh, back. Oh, <laughs> man. Because I will say this. The X-Men does a better job with female representation than the MCU. Oh. I'll agree with that. Because, um, well, hmm. I mean, partly because X-Men is is heavily loaded with female characters in the comics. Hmm. Yes. There are more, there that's are, true. There are a ton you of very Storm. engaging. Yeah. yeah. You get Storm, you get Rogue, you get... Yeah. Um, there oh, are a lot more, yeah. Jub- not Jubilee, obviously Mystique. Who, um, Ellen Page, who does she play? Oh, the run through walls? Oh. Uh, 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 I f- Kitty Pride. I f- yes. Thank you. Thank and you. Storm and... Storm uh, and... Uh, the Dazzler and... Psychic Woman. Do we ever say her? Oh, Jean Grey. We ever said her, right? Jean Grey, Phoenix. Yeah. Like, really, realistically, there have always been a lot more... That's true. A lot more women and a lot more nuanced wim- mm. women. And, and the prequel ones, too. There are a lot more women in general, you know? Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I'm more of an MCU fan, but the MCU does ha- suffer from a lack of female representation. They're lagging behind. They really are. I, I, love, that, I love that scene in Age of Ultron where it's the bar, uh, the, the bar scene where you have Thor and Iron Man talking about their respective wives and they're yes. not in the movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what's your super smart wife doing? Eh, this thing. What's your super smart wife doing? Eh, this thing. Mm. They're not here. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, gone. it's it's delightful <laughs> that the men are bragging about their women. Like, that is a step forward. I accept yeah. that that is a step forward, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, my woman is super amazing in these ways, and I'm going to brag about her. I acknowledge, I acknowledge that. That feels good. Yeah. Hmm. Even better would be to have them in the movie. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, I do love, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Widow. I love Black Widow. Mm-hmm. I love that she's like, yeah, that's not a question I need answered. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to pick that shit up. What? Like, I don't doubt myself. I don't, I don't need to grab a penis and try to lift ah. it. <laughs> right? Because that's all that hammer is. It's just a big penis. Mm. To the tears right. of men everywhere you know, when she said that. You know what I want to see? In some one of the MCU movies, I want to see like a three-year-old girl in a tutu walk up to the Thor's hammer and lift yes. it up. Sure, and yes, she, and no problem. Just mm. here it is. Here, here you go. Here you Thor, go. You need this. There should be a pinnacle moment, yeah, where he's like pinned down or something, and you know, and, just and some pure-hearted little girl. Just yeah, little little frilly girl. Here you go. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's been all kinds of memes on Facebook and elsewhere talking about, like, 
you know, we've gotten in the MCU, we've gotten in the, in all of these movies, in the Spider-Man movies, in the X-Men movies, we've gotten like the little boy who's dressed up mm-hmm. like Iron Man, the little Precisely. boy who's dressed like up mm. like Spider-Man. When do we get a little girl? Mm. Yeah. Who and by the way, who's not dressed up like Black Widow? Who's dressed up like Iron Man? Who's like dressed like up in like Adventures Thor? in Babysitting, the little girl dressed oh. as Thor. Yes. Well, isn't there a woman Thor in the comics too? Yeah. Like that makes sense. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Teddy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like she, she's like, I want to do those those things too. I like, had Hulk underoos. Damn it. Yeah. Hmm. Like they weren't made for me, but. I had and Hulk I would love Lunders. it if she had a red and gold tutu and an Iron Man f- face mask on and was like, Tony, here's what you need. <laughs> well, now I'm sad I didn't have Wonder Woman underoos, but I didn't. Well, it was hard to get them for boys because girls can dress up like boys and that's okay, but boys can't dress up like girls because yeah. that might make your penis smaller. Mm, isn't that interesting? Mm. So, yeah, but speaking about, like, the discourses that are put out to larger society, not only to, you know, the children of Americans, but worldwide. Uh, So when we talk about X-Men, for example, when we talk about, well, this is accepting of, you know, gender differences and, and, you know, homosexuality, or at least it's metaphors for that. Did they go away from that in Marvel? Like, as much as we like the Marvel movies better than the characters, have they walked away? I don't don't think they've walked away. I think they're Mm -hmm. telling a different story. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, I'm not going to judge them for why aren't you addressing this? It's, they're telling mm. a different story. Well, they're, and I mean, we're looking at in the Marvel, the official Marvel universe, we have what, almost 30 hours of movie. A lot. And, um, you know, th- there still is only so much space to tell so much story in each film. And if you're not specifically telling a story about, race or about it, it hmm. or feminism or anything like that it hmm. can be hard to bring those things up in say... a limited time frame mm-hmm. whereas i mean there there are still pro for as awesome as parts of the uh mcu is like at the end of winter soldier you wind up with a super team that is probably the most diverse, diverse super team you've ever seen very... in a major mm-hmm. Hollywood film. But uh, on the other hand, you have stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. You have your mm. only person of color buried under makeup. Mm. Yeah. Actually, two people of color because Vin but Diesel is have, also a person of color. That's you true. have two women. So that's a step forward. I, but like, I'm yeah. looking at the, but, the MCU. But, oh, go ahead. Where, whereas X-Men, in a way, is like tackling these things more yeah. at the forefront by yeah. actually making it a part of the theme of their movie. Mm-hmm. The, the Marvel movies are diving for, you know, different themes, which are, you know, equally valid as, as plots. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, you, you do have a very, I mean, you can see a very conscious decision to, Make more characters black, make more characters female. Um, It's not moving very fast, Mm. but it's happening. That's true. Yeah, X Men was a bit more out the gate doing that. X Men was very much out the gate. Yeah, but Avengers is moving the right way. Yeah. I think MCU has done better with race than with gender. I agree. Yeah. Like, because, you know, you've got Falcon, you've got Rhodey, you've got Heimdall. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been they've been bringing in characters of different races throughout. Yeah, Blank um, Panther, just, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, just black. You don't see Asian characters. Mm-hmm. No, you don't and see I mean, Indian characters. You don't see. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, but they're also trying to sidestep huge racial racial stereotypes of awful characters, like yeah, yeah. like um, in Iron Man three with the. Um, Oh, Ben Kingsley. Uh, oh, with the uh, uh, Fu Manchu character. Um, Mandarian? The, the, the Mandarin. The Mandarin. The Mandarin. Which I loved how they did that. Like they sidestepped mm. it because if you cast it to type, it's a fucking racial stereotype oh, and it's yeah. awful. Well, and it and was a commentary like, also for him to play a character like, I'm just some Brit. You know, it's like, it's great commentary on those stereotypes mm-hmm. because it's, yeah. it's, it's like... I'm just play acting as a bad guy kind of a thing. If there is any one absolutely master move in any of the MCU movies, it's that one. Yeah. Because I love how they played with that. I I love how Shane Black played with that shit. Mm -hmm. Because you took all of you took all of the possible racial landmines of that and just negated them. It was Mm -hmm. really well done. And they've got another racial landmine coming up for them in the ancient one. Yeah. Like, or I rather, so it's obs- already blown up. Can you say more about that? Oh, I God. am so upset with the internet right now. Mm-hmm. And I am so upset with, and I will say it, with mm-hmm. Asian American culture because Asian Americans are saying, we just want somebody Asian. It doesn't matter. Mm. But the problem is, it does matter to actual Japanese, Chinese, this is true. Nepali, Tibetan, Tibetan yeah, yeah. Indian. Malaysian, like you can't just substitute one for the other. It's a huge insult. I have a Japanese aunt. You cast a Chinese person as a Japanese, that is insulting to both of them. Yeah. You yeah. cast a Nepali as a Japanese or a Chinese, they hate you so hard. Like, or the there reverse. is no yeah. good way. I mean, it's beyond an insult if you cast, for example, the, the typical. I mean, so the Han Chinese are about half the Chinese population, and they have the majority control of the country, you know, very authoritarian control. And a p- big policy in China has been for many years to move the Han. Chinese into Tibet as a way to kind of slowly take it over just through people. Through cultural assimilation. And so then if you have someone who's Han Chinese playing someone who is Tibetan, well then that's just reinforcing the actual contestation of space that's happening in China, right? Of China trying to just literally take over Tibet in every way, shape, and form. Like you're just reinforcing that that domination of one hegemonic power power over another, right? Right. Like, and I mean, yes, I and, am. And, and I know. I I want to put a I want to put a disclaimer. I know C. Robert Cargill, but I do honestly believe like that was a landmine. That was mm-hmm. a racial landmine that was never like. There's no way anybody was going to be happy. Well, and writing wise, it and seemed like he wrote a character that could be any race or gender. And so yeah. that's not wasn't on him, right? Yeah, and actually he had nothing to do with the yeah, casting. Yeah, that, that's that, the thing. Just, that decision was made well before he came well on the film. Well before he yeah. came on board. All he did was write the character. Yeah. How they and, cast it was not mm-hmm. up to him. But like MCU had a terrible choice there. There was no way to deal with that race issue without stepping on any number of landmines. Uh-huh. And I mean, let's talk about the politics for a second. If you even mm-hmm. remotely hint that this character is Tibetan, if you even remotely hint this character is Chinese, like it's mm. like setting a character 
It's like trying to set a character who's Palestinian right now. No matter mm-hmm. what you might think, you are making a political fucking statement. Oh, yeah. I mean, you make them to... Okay, let's let's back up. All these Marvel movies are going overseas. More of the money is being made overseas than with oh, America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which means Marvel has to think of a completely international audience, yeah. especially of China, because China has a lot of money right now and mm-hmm. spends a well, lot of it on movies. And, of- and here, and here. So... You make the t- character Tibetan like it actually is in the comics, and you bring in a Tibetan actor, you piss off Han Chinese. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. If you may cast Chinese character as Tibetan, that is a horrible, horrible thing. Even if you, you cast Chinese as Chinese, the people are like, that's supposed to be Tibetan. Fuck you. Well, yeah. And 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 here's the thing. Are you making that, a statement about how China and Tibet are the same? That character mm-hmm. in the first place was only tibetan because of this fucked up orientalism thing that yeah. america was doing back when dr strange was originally written exactly yeah and, it was just a mysterious oriental realm right and, I and don't it's, think yeah. it's i don't think it's pandering to china to just avoid the question because no matter what you choose you're making a political statement when you don't want to so let's avoid the politics well and this is why let's so just often avoid it and, they invent least... countries and invent ethnicities. This is why in, in both Batman vs. Superman and in uh, Captain America, like, oh, let's make up an African country because otherwise, like any African country you're going to pick that's a real country, the power dynamics that within that country, you will not fully understand. Yeah, like, you could study it for 100 years and it's like, well, which within any random country, there's going to be a teeming number of ethnicities and a teeming number of, you know, well, who has power in this country? Well, it's actually this small ethnicity who is dominating these other ethnicities, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, do you know what any of these relations are between them? It's like, that's too much for Americans to to really, like, take in. And you you can have an entire movie just about that stuff and still, you know, still only scratch the surface. Whereas this is supposed to be a background character you drop her in as a part of an origin story and that's it. Mm -hmm. Or rather, drop him in. And the, the... the solution that Marvel found, if you have not heard, was hmm. that Tilda Swinton would come in and play that character. So Bravo because for making late- the character a woman. Yeah, it's so, gender cool. bent, and she's pretty fucking androgynous, which I love. And, and Tilda Swinton, I do believe, is magical. I have met her. She is. She. She does not walk on this earth. She just kind of glides. I, I mean, if, see you, it. if you if I you watch her on it. screen and go, she's not like human. No, mm. I've seen her in person. She is not human. She I, should she should be wow. registered. She should be registered. She by the should government. be registered yeah. under the superhero act. Well, really. I mean, if we're going to be mad at anybody, we should be mad at the people who wrote the ancient one for not making up an Asian country, so it wouldn't matter. Mm. If yeah. they had just made up an Asian country, it wouldn't matter. But when you say Tibet these days, you can't say Tibet with a whole fucking politics going mm-hmm. well, like well, crashing down is, on you. And it's naive to say it's not relevant. It's well, naive here, to say thing. that it could it could even have been even. Back in the day, it could have even been, let's bring attention to Tibet because they've been having trouble. I I don't know this for a fact, but it could even be. Could have been a focus of the discourse of like, what is really happening in Tibet? Hey, people wake up. People are being persecuted. And one of the people being persecuted is in this story. And the reason they fled their country is because it's being taken over or whatever. Like it could open up a larger debate and discourse. But let's admit it. It's just regular schmoes writing comic books for teens. Right. So they just didn't go there. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, like I said, I don't think I don't know either way whether that was the initial motivation or not. But mm-hmm. I mean, there there are so many things where in 
in the day that they were written, they were mm. progressive or they yeah. were people working on the best of their ability to be progressive. That's true. And when we look back on them, they look regressive. I mean, like Porgy and yeah. Bess or yeah. Yeah, and things like that. And sure. and it's it's just the perspective of time and it, it it's a motherfucker. Well, and there was a, a ton of like basic racism back in the day, right? When I was looking yeah. back through some old uh, World War II era comic books, I was really Oof, struck yeah. by how, like, you know, when it's looking at who who is the enemy of America, and it's it's well, it's not Germans, it's Nazis, right? Because half the population in America had German ethnicity, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to Japanese. Oh, it's Japanese. It's like really yeah. the entire people. Yeah, the Japanese are are the enemy of America. It's not Hirohito. That's not their emperor and just the people who are bombing us specifically or anything like that. No, it's no. Japanese. It's all the Japanese children and women. Yes, they all have to be nuked with our nuclear bombs. And it's like a very different discourse in the comics and in reality. That's one of the reason why yeah. I always connect these these things that seem like frivolous conversations about comic books, but the propaganda and the way people have a mindset about these things, like it connects and it matters, you know. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I also see I mean, them I, the, the as... Japanese were the ones who wound up in concentration camps. In this yes, country. yes, just for being their ethnicity, right? Men, yeah. women, and children. Well, um, we didn't lock see, up Germans. We, I nope. see the internet going crazy about this, and I see it as a lack of. Um, first of all, education, but secondly, sophistication, like yeah. a lot of Americans, even like they don't understand mm-hmm. the, the intricacies of Asian culture. Like, oh, yeah. like if wow. you say Japanese, Chinese, what does it matter? That is a huge insult. Like what? You can't fucking tell us apart. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Like, and there, there are a lot of things feeding <clears throat> into this. It's, it's not just that, that is part of it. It's also the. <sighs> The people who are coming in and commenting on this are, first of all, they're coming from the right place. They are Hmm. asking for more diversity, which is something that the three of us have been doing for a long time, too. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, why aren't there more more Asian characters? There's no reason that you couldn't just, I mean, we've got Agent May. We've got Agent May and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. But mm-hmm. why isn't there just a character who just happens to be Asian? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, And so... The, these people who are coming in are coming from the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not have the history of the comics necessarily at hand in mm-hmm. their brain. They do not necessarily know the history of where the script went in Hollywood. They don't necessarily know the decision process that led them to Tilda Swinton. And sure enough, I mean, when you when you are only looking at the endpoints, you are looking at Tibetan character to white person yes that does look like whitewashing Hmm. now the thing about the internet is that it's very easy to comment within a few seconds of Hmm. of seeing this information that has pissed you off and therefore you don't process it for that long and in people who don't aren't like embroiled in the entertainment industry like I've worked in I worked in comics for five years, mm-hmm. and you know, Wendy and I know enough people in movies to sure. know more about the process. Mm-hmm. Most people do not have that perspective, so yeah. they only see point A to point B. That's true, and that is a very valid. Um, yes, you should be angry. That. You should be angry. You should look at that and go, "Why isn't it Asian?" But yes. then you should listen to what the reasons are and go. 
You're right. That would be offensive if you tried to make it Asian. At least you gender bent it. Okay, we're making small steps. Yeah. How can we make Asian happen sooner in the next film? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there, there, steps. there is a big problem with internet rage. I mean, th- mm. this is a huge general problem we have with life right now. That it's the it's the knee jerk reactions that are going immediately to opinions, and nobody's thinking beyond that. Well, not nobody, but. It, it seems it feels like that mm-hmm. on the it internet. It feels like no. What are you thing? saying? I'm going to have some blog justice about this topic, and I shall tell you where to go. And and the knee jerk reactions are there forever. Yeah, or at least for a very long time until somebody deletes them. Well, you know, in the internet, they're there for a week. Oh my god, that was forever. Ha. Yeah, and and the, a week does seem like forever in the internet because there's oh my so god, much still- information just being dumped out there by. Mm. The, the majority of humankind. You're you know, still there's talking seven about billion this. of us generating mm-hmm. content, essentially. Well, and often rage is the energy behind uh, views and clicks, right? And yeah. so, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, like, okay, going back to my point, I'm changing the subject. Um, so, I feel like MCU, like, right, they're doing pretty well with at least black characters. They need to step mm-hmm. it up with Asian characters. Yep. Yeah. They they Hispanic. have brought in they yes. well, you haven't seen Ant Man. Yeah, Ant-Man that's true. Brought oh, that's in, true. I haven't. Ant Man does uh, some steps. Okay, Ant Man brought in Richard Pena in a very positive role. He was still an ex con, but <laughs> he was not your typical. Like and a he good was guy. A, he was good, right? He was a good guy. Okay, he good. was a positive role model. Because Ant Man's like, an ex con too. We in that movie they basically yeah. established some people go to jail for correct things. You know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like I feel like Hispanics could come in more. Definitely, Definitely Asians could come in more. But realistically, we need to step it up with the women because I am looking yeah. at yeah. Marvel Phase Three. Okay. Oh, what did Phase we see? two was Iron Man three, Thor two, Captain two, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers two, mm-hmm. Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Phase three, we've got Captain America, Civil War. Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Spider-Man, Thor 3, Ragnarok, BT dubs, mm-hmm. Black Panther, mm-hmm. Avengers, Affinity, Infinity War 1 and 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay, the Wasp, yay. Wasp. Yay, Wasp. Mm-hmm. And finally, Captain Marvel, which will be a woman. Oh, yay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but let's talk about this. It takes... That's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 fucking movies before we get a woman lead. Right. We're half the goddamn population. And DC is going, I don't know if we can have a Wonder Woman movie. Is there attitude, even just from a selling perspective, is there attitude that women don't go to action movies somehow like what is going on did you see the goddamn hunger games i know how uh, i don't just don't uh, but is that their rationale as wrong as it is is that what their rationale is maybe they're like well women like to go to these movies as is why change anything that's probably the goddamn rationale part of it that's part of it but i think the other part is it's the death of a thousand cuts where all of these movies are tapping into decades of storytelling generated by comics that's true and during those decades of comics the majority of writers were male and Mm. the majority of or at least the perceived majority of the uh people reading those comics were male and therefore a lot of the hero characters were male Mm. and so the legendary characters that came out of the history of comics are almost entirely 
male. Mm. The only reason that Wonder Woman has the cachet she does, the only reason why Wonder Woman has been in constant publication since the 1940s mm-hmm. is because of the legal agreement that DC made with the creator. Hmm. If they ever let Wonder Woman lapse as a comic, the rights would revert to the estate. Hmm. And the reason that Wonder Woman is the premier female character is because she has always been in publication. They just crank out content. And it was only because of a legal thing. But has that been a sacrifice? I don't know her well enough, but does that mean there's been a sacrifice to story since there's been a pressure on always having content about her? Does that mean, is that why we don't know who she is as a, as a, as a person that much? Well, I think, I think she's kind of a flawed character anyway, because I mean, mm. the, the character started out as a kind of a BDSM thing. Cause the guy who created mm. her, um, oddly enough was also the inventor of the polygraph. Interesting guy, but, but um, uh, the the original- that's why she has the lasso. Sorry, no, 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 no. The reason, well, yes, the lasso of truth, yes, but the reason it's a lasso is because he was into BDSM. Ah, uh, Wonder Woman was a pinup kind of BDSM thing. That's Ooh. why she, when she was tied up by a man, she had to. She was powerless. Oh, you know, it was kind she of has that, cuffs. That that kind of switch of oh. the uh, uh, power dynamics between men and women. She oh. was as dominating woman until she was tied up by a man and then she was submissive. So Interesting. So it was, it was this whole BDSM thing. So carrying on from that... Can I that, just say, you... <laughs> you like, I don't have a problem with BDSM. I have a problem with... Like, you created a whole superhero character just for your fantasies. That's weird. And kids reading it, it's like, I'm, kids are going to be reading about this thing of this woman. It's fascinating. It's like, mm, dude, <laughs> yeah. keep it in your pants, dude. Well, you know, in the 1940s, comics were for everybody. You know, soldiers uh, going off to war were, you know, taking comics with them. I they suppose. only started being viewed for kids in the 1950s and especially oh. in the 1960s when the uh, whole comics code thing came up. And oh, that's, that's right. The comics different thing. code. That's a that's whole, whole, different, whole topic. different thing. But um, Wonder Woman, yeah, you know, going on from that, you know, as different writers took the character on to soldier forward with this directive from DC Comics to keep it always in publication, nobody ever really figured out what to do with her which is why you hmm. got the whole you know america thing ladled onto her and the, hmm. you know the amazons and the you know the all this bizarre stuff but you know since she wasn't driven by a core personality trait she, all, she mm-hmm. was always just the female superhero she never accumulated anything that gave her a real guiding light mm-hmm. as a character mm-hmm. but the fact that she was kept in publication is the reason why she Mm. is there in the major pantheon. Question about Wonder Woman. So I remember her, honestly, mostly from growing up watching the TV series. Yeah. But I I associate her with beginning in World War II era, but it's very clear that the Wonder Woman movie, or at least the mythology based on the Batman versus Superman, is they have her starting World War I. Does that make sense or does that not make sense? World War One for Wonder Woman's origin and connecting with America. Is that still I legit? Don't know. You know what? I don't know. Um, I mean, they might have felt that I, like I, World I, War Two has been overdone with Captain America. That's maybe. my that's my guess. That's yeah. my guess. I mean, there there's um, you know in both World War One and World War Two, there's a real purity of of focus in those two wars. And every mm-hmm. war ever since, at least to America, has been like, what the fuck were we doing? Yeah, but. 
Um, so either of those are fair game if you're trying to create a hero character. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting move to put her in World War One rather than mm-hmm. World War Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, ah, they cast mm. uh, what's his name Chris Pine who played Kirk as uh, Steve Trevor. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I want to see Batman versus Superman. I I want to make up my own mind. I do want to make that clear. Yeah. But mm. I'm going to switch topics. All I'm, right. Well, I'm it is sorry. enjoyable when you see I'm, it. It's an even numbered episode, and I'm a little bored now. I'm bored now. Can change topics. I have got the Wikipedia on the Marvel phases pulled up. Yeah. yeah. First off, I'm going to point out that for Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, the producers are Avi Arad and Kevin Feige. Yep. And Kevin Feige, right? Yeah. For The Incredible Hulk, it's also Gail, on, Gail Ann Hurd as well. Yay, Gail. Mm. Starting with Iron Man 2, it is Kevin Feige alone. Right. Up yeah. until Spider-Man Homecoming, which is an upcoming Phase 3 film, where we mm. have a female producer, Amy Pascal. I have to think that she is the producer coming on from Fox. Right? It's Fox, right? Or is it mm. Sony? Uh, I thought it was Sony. Sony, Sony had, Sony had Spider Man. Yeah, so that is why. But everything else is Kevin Feige alone. Just Spider Man: Homecoming mm-hmm. is with somebody else as well. And I'm like, oh, that points to the fact that it's a joint production with Sony. Mm. Yeah, I am also looking at both the writers and directors, and you have to wait. There might be a female writer there, but she's with like three other writers, right? Um, is Gillian Hurd still doing things? She, you know, she nope. does Walking Dead. Is she? Is she? Nope. She's just she done. was an ex- she was an executive producer. She was a producer on The Incredible Hulk, and that was it. Mm. Um, let's see. Oop. Ashley Edward Miller was a writer on Thor, but she was with Zach Stentz and Don Payne. I don't know. It, and I also don't know if Ashley is a female name. You can't make that. Ch- you cannot oh. make that call. Sure. Um. Well, Going I mean, we have further. a real dearth of, of female writers in Hollywood. We already mm-hmm. know that. So, I, I, and, Thor, and, yeah, wait, yeah, let I me mean, finish. Let me finish. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok has Taika Waititi. I don't know if that's male or female. Mm-hmm. So I'm now looking for names that might be female. When just is that to coming out, the, the next female. Thor? 2018. Not oh, soon wow. enough. Oh. Not um, soon enough. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Not one single female name name attached to it. Captain Marvel, we don't have a writer, but we have two female names. Pardon me, we don't have a director. We have two female names directing it. Uh, Take away TD is a guy. Okay, so that doesn't count. So Captain Marvel, we don't have a director, but the writers are two females. What the actual fuck? Like, yes, you're you're hiring a woman. Thank you, but women can only write women. Like women can't write men. Are you fucking kidding me? We have to deal with you every goddamn day. Oh, I think I know a, how to write uh, a man. We, we're we a special interest group. Don't you know that? I mean, good. Yeah. Yay, Nicole and Meg. They're the two women who are writing Captain Marvel. Yay. I hope you knock it out of the park, ladies. I hope you fucking deliver the goods. But why is it? Oh, look, female, finally a female superhero. We better make sure we get female writers because no man can write a woman. And oh, BT dubs, we need more female writers. You can't have a female write a man. <laughs> That's crazy talk. I want to. Okay, so let's go back to Punisher Warzone, okay? 
as I'm always, not sure as, we're going as back always, to it. we haven't brought no, no. it up this episode, but let I would agree oh, no. that Punisher Warzone is in the background of every episode, Melissa. It should be. It should be. So Punisher Warzone. So let's make an example of Punisher Warzone. This is probably the truest Punisher movie of the three Punisher movies that have been made. <laughs> and um, let's make it clear. I don't like Punisher as a character. Um, mm-hmm. There, there are many things that I find problematic about the Punisher. But mm-hmm. Punisher Warzone is a thing of violent, bloody, gruesome mm. glory. Mm. And it is absolutely true to the Punisher character, and it is bonkers. And who made Punisher Warzone? Lexi Alexander. Mm. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And this is a woman who made a fun, awesome, bloody, gruesome, violent, macho Punisher movie. Better than the other Punisher movies made by guys. Now, was that, sorry to ask the dumb question. Is this the one with John Travolta? No, this is, this is the one with... Um, it was made... Oh, the handsome guy, the, 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 the <laughs> it was not the Thomas Jane one. Not oh, it's Thomas not the Thomas Jane. Jane. No, this is the Ray Stevenson one with Dominic West as Jigsaw. Yes, yeah. uh, Ray Stevenson, Dominic okay. West, two thousand and eight, two thousand eight, Punisher War Zone. It is bonkers. It is absolutely bonkers. And you know the reason she made the best Punisher movie is because she says, "Hey, I guess I'm making a Punisher movie now. I'm going to go to the fans and ask what they want from a Punisher movie." Hmm. Okay, they want it bloody and gory and vengeful. And, uh, oh, there are these Frank Miller comics I should probably be uh, looking at. So uh, let's put that on the screen. And there you go. There's a Punisher movie. And it's a it's a great, gruesome, cheesy, awesome Punisher movie. And, uh, you know, Lexi Alexander could make an awesome action movie because she's a kickboxer. She's a a kickboxing champion and, uh, you know, she knows how to do a fight scene and she's a decent director. She she directed Green Street Hooligans, which is great. And and there you go. Women can do these macho properties. They can do superhero movies. Mm -hmm. Hire them. Give them a chance, and the thing—the thing is, there they it, Hollywood still thinks women are a special interest group, and therefore only women can apply to things that quote women know. Whereas, with goddamn they, half they, of the ah, uh. you 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 have you you have Hollywood hiring Colin Trevorrow to direct a Star Wars movie after doing Jurassic World after doing basically nothing. Hmm. They they basically laid a whole shitload of money on this director who hasn't directed anything really big before. Whereas well, and I didn't care women, for Jurassic World myself, honestly. And but Jurassic I, World was shitty. I, yeah. You know what? I I didn't see Jurassic World, so I'm not going to lay uh, any... It's boring. But, but I mean, this guy went to, from zero to six to directing major Hollywood studio stuff yeah. with, within one jump, whereas mm. women have to fight their way up because nobody will take a chance on them. So just- my, my question for you is this now, though. So we've established women can write, that everyone can will go to movies starring women, that women can do action. Mm-hmm. So then what needs to be done to make, you know what I mean? It, it seems like the facts are in front of Hollywood's face, 
but they're not opening their eyes. So well, so then what's what to take be done? A chance on a woman. Women are weird and different. The uh, like it, well, it's uh, just the structure in Hollywood. Is that the deal? A, we're not a special interest group. We're half the goddamn population. Well, and these movies than... that are making money are making money because women are showing up to them too. Yep. Melissa goddamn loves crash em up well, yeah. car movies. I mm-hmm. fucking love underdog sports films. Like mm-hmm. we are not outliers we are not weird there are plenty of women like us who like quote quote masculine movies these movies aren't masculine they're entertaining and you can make money by not believing women don't go to them they do and we're not just going because our boyfriends are dragging us you fucktards mm-hmm. so why would you think that I wouldn't know how to direct a sports film? I know how to make a sports film. I watch enough goddamn of them. And Melissa mm-hmm. knows how to make a goddamn crash em up car movie. She's watched them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them. I have. All of them. All of them. So then what's what's going to get it done, though? Like, what well, is going to get Hollywood to open its eyes to what are facts in front of its face, right? Well, they well, still think that it's somehow a negative to have a woman attached because Hollywood mm-hmm. is myopic and thinks that people pay pay attention here's they the think thing people are like oh a woman is directing that nobody's going to come to see, see it is it just too much of a good old boys network then is that the well, deal and that, and that is the thing that is the thing the people holding the money are Bunch still of cronies white guys oh. and and and, and, the, and people who hold the money tend to hire they're like they're they're like right? yeah they're yeah. they're they they tend to put their money where they trust it and and people tend to err towards people like them. Yeah, conservative and, choices of their own ilk. Yeah. yeah. And and so the the thing that convinces executives to move forward to to move money forward is to make more money than where, where they're making money. And so I mean, we're starting to see I think we're starting to see the the chips being made in the cinder block. I mean, we're seeing the Fast and Furious movies, you know, where where many, many more women are coming into the the film as regular cast members, where where, where um they're being directed by people of color, where uh or you know, things where uh, you know, Frozen makes a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. where um gravity, gravity makes a shit ton of yeah, money. Yeah. And and you're you're starting to see these huge blockbusters that are being led by women, by being led by people of color. But and a dumb think, question though. Terminator and, two, aliens, like they had great, fantastic, strong women, but we're still in this, right? Oh, like absolutely. what is going on? That I was just, in the mid nineteen eighties and I know. We still How is this still going forward. on? Uh, you get my yeah. point, right? It's like Well yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean yeah. I mean we had more female directors in the nineteen forties than we did now. Wow. And yeah. and I, it's the and we had way more female directors in the silent era than we do now. I mean they once Money when something starts in. to become money, when you start to make money off of it, that's when it becomes male dominated. The yeah, like mm-hmm. you see it, it you it even becomes, see it in programming. Well, well, when well, programming well, hold on. became not necessarily white dominated, it becomes dominated by whoever's in the current I said power male, structure. Male dominated. Male. I, yeah. I think but, you're right. Uh, but but not necessarily white or male. It's I mean the hmm. the key thing is whoever's in the current dominant structure. You know, whoever dominated. has hmm. whoever has the privilege. In that position, yeah, yeah, like, like in the Marvel universe, uh, you know, it's slowly some, some, uh, you know, not whites, but it's still men, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's mm-hmm. there's been studies done. The minute women enter a po- a population, enter an occupation, the average salary goes down. Yeah. Because it becomes a less valuable occupation. Mm-hmm. So as women are entering into the STEM mm. fields, the average wage is going down because, well, if women are able to do it, it must not be that valuable. Mm-hmm. That's because we know you're just going to be spending all your time having babies. Well, it's because we're going to spend all our doing. time in the bathrooms having fun with our periods like that one stupid motherfucking oh, Republican congressperson oh, who didn't boy. understand how periods worked. <laughs> what the actual fuck. Yeah, Just right. having fun in there with your periods and your women things. Uh, do, it's mysterious. Do we all know like the like oh, this Republican Congress person who, honest to God, thought women could choose when they had their periods. <laughs> oh. And so he thought that literally women would just go into the bathroom and hang out there because it was fun. You're choosing to have period day instead of work day. Well, and it's a way for you to get out of working because <sighs> now you're gonna have your you're all gonna have your periods together, so you can just have fun together. I I love that the guy was married. Yeah, Whoa. like his wife needs to, his wife is doing a disservice to the rest of us <laughs> by not smacking him around a little bit. Jesus. Like, because when I like was younger, before, before I got my shit under control between hormonal stuff and having a baby made a lot of difference too, like mm. my period was something to be feared. Mm. It was something that came around once a month that would lay me low for a day or two. Why would you choose that? Why would you choose to have your period every month? What's going on with your mind process? You're hysterical. No woman would choose that, you asshat. That's so funny. Oh, I only got mine once. Put your ass on your head as a hat because you were a dumb fucker. Ha ha. I only got mine every once every six months. Oh, and my my body stored that shit up. Oh, God. I feel free. Oh, it was horrifying. Uh, You're gonna have a period hurricane just once, twice a year. Yeah, period hurricane. <laughs> oh, oh god. god, it's like sharks, only bloodier. <sighs> that reminds me. Um, the the term tornado, tornado, tornado. What do you think of that as a term? Tornado, tornado for like Wait, slash like fiction it. Thor. Oh, anyway. If oh. I would, I would gladly be hit by a tornado. I would uh, be th- unless it was just a a tornado full of hammers. I don't like that. Ooh. No, but if it's a tornado full of Chris Hemsworth, full of I naked would Thors. I would be very Thor the next day. Oh. Uh, well, I have a question for you. If you want to unpack feminist discourse in movies what no. about the fact that in x-men I mean, we're, we're doing general power dynamics but let's do feminist discourse. but really quickly yes. just x-men think about it think about what are the women and their powers well rogue she can't even control her powers right she's just a woman how can she control her overwhelming powers uh, what about jean gray she... jean gray needs to be locked away they need to take her powers away because she's a woman she doesn't know You're what to do with them you gonna make me angry shut up what about man. mystique mystique doesn't even know what she is or who she is shut just up. like storm all women they're the two-faced storm is all women up. are two-faced they'll just pretend to be one person but they'll really be the other storm. all right that's my storm. little tangent storm Dazzler, Dazzler, Storm, another vague powers, but it's like so much power, but it's vague, so it's really inconsequential. She can control the goddamn weather. She can land a tornado on your ass. (laughs) Also, Kitty Pride, kind of awesome. Kitty Pride is awesome. Super duper awesome. Also, there was that Asian chick in Days of Future Past. 
I don't know all my characters. I think that was her her superpower name. I think it was Asian Chick. I don't know all the characters (laughs) to know who she was, but she had amazing. She had the portal. Wasn't Jubilee? Wasn't Jubilee? uh... Oh, no, she she was. She wasn't Jubilee, but she had portal power. No, she she wasn't Jubilee, but Jubilee was was not white, right? Jubilee. I don't don't know. I can't keep all the names straight. It doesn't matter. She was kick ass. Mm. Mm Hmm. And her uh. chick powers. <laughs> well, look, I mean, to be fair, every X Men is conflicted. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Every, I'm just unpacking it. I'm oh, over reading yeah. it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You're totally over reading it. But X Men, every character is kind of emo. Let's let's huh. just lay that out. I oh, mean, that's true. And and. and Almost all of them have trouble controlling their powers at some point. I mean, let's look at uh, mm-hmm. uh, Scott, uh, yeah. uh, Cyclops. Cyclops. Uh, yeah, or... Um, Are the claws yeah. a penis metaphor? Like, you can't control and just sometimes you just like, chink. What's up Maybe. with that? Maybe. Also, you've got the Beast. Yeah, Beast. Definitely mm-hmm. Beast. You've got Wolverine, right? He's mm-hmm. got anger management issues. Like, totally. Whoa. Totally. He does, and the old white dude is, like, so controlling of everything, and yet, like, your brain. No, wait, I know what's best for you. Let me mansplain it. Exactly. Oh, Professor X, thank you for telling me what to do. <laughs> or Magneto. It's like, a, you know, he controls metal, so he controls industry, so he controls factories in the world and industrial capitalism. What are these symbols? And he's Jewish. Oh, worldwide, oh God. worldwide conspiracy. Oh, God. oh, my God. Oh, David, you just brought that hammer down on me. Oh, oh my God, shit. David. You're, you're making me not love these movies oh as my much. God. This is what happens when you're in academia too oh, long shit. and you overread everything. I'm so sorry. I'm now sorry. Said, I James, ruin everything for everybody. I'm James oh, McAvoy could mansplain to me any time with that Scottish accent. <laughs> yes, James McAvoy, tell me what to do. <sighs> <laughs> oh, mm. although let's let's unpack Fantastic Four for a second. Oh God, you know, which one? Oh, why? Why? Wait, which one? <laughs> think the about shitty, the powers, the though, that are one? chosen by the writers yes. of these things. Like, it's a serious thing to think about. Mr. You know? Fantastic, who can, who, you know, who is super smart and can, you know, pretty mm. much do anything. I can and make my body parts whatever size I want. Sue come Storm. on, ladies. Like, Sue that Storm. is a male fantasy come to life. I know. Is literally the invisible woman. Mm. Oh, and- God, Melissa, you said that. Jesus. Ha. I no, I'm serious. Okay, so wait, know, is she over forty? Because then she's invisible. Oh, no. Okay, so oh, Sue come Storm, on, she had her last fuckable day like a decade ago, people. If you look at the comics, she was like completely useless for a really, really long time. See, until the dude's writing well, these, I'm telling you, unpack one of it. the one of the dude writers though figured out how to use her and and brought in. If I remember right, he was the guy who um, I can't remember who it was, but figured out. Uh, the force shields thing, and yes. uh, and oh. then figured out how she could use them. Like, oh, here's a force field. I'm going to put you in a box and then remove all the air from it. There you go. And then mm. and then she was actually on par in terms of powers with the rest of her cohorts. But isn't but, it convenient that she needs to like be naked a fair amount of her time on on the yeah. comic book page? Hmm. Very convenient, isn't it? Though. Just oh my saying. God. I mean, you know, look at the Hulk versus She Hulk. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Although I I would be sold on a She Hulk movie. 
I mean, because be kind of okay. The funny thing is, anything could be good if it was done well. Like, there's so many stories out there that, like, people will talk about them in production and be like, that looks like it's going to suck. And it's like, well, or maybe it'll be great. You don't know. Like, I remember, like, Spider Man 2, when everyone was looking at the Green Goblin costume and saying, oh, that's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. And it's like, unless you don't know what you're talking about, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, but I can't help but look and go, is there a reason Black Panther has to be a boy? Sure, that's a good question to ask. Absolutely. Or why they focused on, you know, oh, does it have to be a Black Panther for the can can it be a a woman character that we're going to decide to expand on, you know? Thor, I mean, we've already had Thor recast as a woman in the comics. Yeah, Yeah. might be time to do that in the movies, you know? I mean, Chris Hemsworth is going to be getting a little older and stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but I don't want to give up Chris Hemsworth, I really... Well, he'll he'll well, my be busy. Female gaze well, is very appreciative. He'll keep busy. This is where you bring in Lady Sif. Where yeah, you bring her out a little bit more. I would not mind a little more Lady Sif because I think she is fantastic. Yeah, she's also, pretty great. I would not be sad if they like let Agent May off the chain and let her like show up in a movie or two. Yeah, hmm. or you know, one of the things if Suicide Squad works, which is by the way, it's which, not going to. Which we yeah, that's well, the word, right? Is that well, it's like meh. Yeah, I mean, I I know the production history, so you know, chances aren't good. But yeah. by the time this episode rolls out, people will probably know. But yeah, you never know. You never know. You never know. The thing I'd like to see is Amanda Waller being being a huge force in the DC universe. Hmm. You know, and I and I think she already is in TV. I don't know because I don't watch TV, but you know bringing her out as a major character would be very, very interesting. Who does she play in Suicide Squad? No, no. The character Amanda Waller. Oh, I don't I don't know the DCU well enough. I apologize. Oh, uh, Amanda Waller is um, not a superhero. She is basically an executive. She is a... Ah. a she is in the hmm. comics portrayed as a large black woman. But she is kind of a... Like an evil Nick Fury, kind of. Hmm. <laughs> very I interesting. Like that. Very, very interesting. There's a lot that can be done with that character. Um, not necessarily evil, but uh, you know, depending how she's written. But anyway, now anyway. what are all the what are all the DC TV shows that are out? Because they're doing better with TV, right? Yeah, oh, they, they are nailing it with their TV. They so yeah, and why don't they learn Flash from Arrow, that? Flash and, and Arrow, Flash Arrow, and yeah. Supergirl. Yeah, as well as uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, has also spun off, and all three of those are doing very well, and people are huge fans of them. Yeah. They're doing crossovers. They yeah. are nailing these characters. I am a huge fan of the Flash personally. Me too. I love Flash, and I enjoy Arrow quite a bit too. Yeah, like, and I've really enjoyed the Arrow that I've watched. Like, I haven't watched it. Like, Flash connects with me more. But me too, honestly. Is, like. Like, they're like, no, that's completely separate from the DCU. And I'm like, why would you not use Grant Gustin? And of course, all they can do is go, well, it's too hard to film a movie with somebody who's in a TV show. And I'm like, you know what? You've got a, you've got a character and an actor who are beloved. You're an idiot for not well, capitalizing and beloved, on it. And plus, all shows like go five-ish years, right? So like they should yeah. be prepping for when the Flash is done, he should move into movies. So they oh, should absolutely. just be prepping that. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's it's short-sighted. It's stupid because any flash they put in the movies, it doesn't even matter if they make him dark and angsty. People are going to be like, "That ain't the Flash." 
I fucking love Grant Gustin, but that ain't The Flash. It's almost like their TV shows do better because the studio feels that it's unworthy of their actual focus. And they're just like, oh, these shows will do whatever. We'll just let the B-Squad do it. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's how they turn out to be actually good is because you guys didn't, I don't know, like overthink it or or have uh, too many cooks on the fire. I don't know what, what the deal is. Yeah. Like, or, cause like the flash, he's wearing a goddamn red suit. Now it's not bright red, but it's red. Mm -hmm. Unapologetically red. I'm sure sure they're succeeding because the TV shows are kind of running under the radar. Whereas the the DC tends to fall down on their big lavish properties. And this has been Mm. true for the last couple decades. Mm. Didn't always used to be true, but Mm. um, it's the, where they want to do something big and they overthink it Mm. and it collapses horribly it's the stuff that runs under the radar that really flourishes because Mm -hmm. uh more freedom and creativity right Yeah, more freedom and creativity there's more leeway to do to let the creators do what they want to do and really kind of create their own vision Mm -hmm. and um you know anything (laughs) I blame Dan to Dio, fucker. Oh. Uh, no, anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I yeah. feel like DC and- is laboring under the weight of their own history. They can't just tell a Superman story. They feel the mm-hmm. whole weight of that history. And it's like mm. where MCU gets his right is they chunk it. They're like, we're not telling all that bullshit. We're not going there yet. Yeah. We're going to trust we'll get there eventually. We're going to tell this story. Yeah, and I'm sure that, I mean, the TV shows are probably doing the same thing. Here's the other thing about DC. DC is under the thumb of Warner Brothers, and I know Marvel's under another uh, giant corporate Mm. entity, too. But DC is under the thumb of Warner Brothers. Marvel's under Disney. That's right, Marvel's under Disney. Mm -hmm. Disney at least isn't. Yeah. Anyway, they're different. They're more. That that makes um, that makes Black Panther an official Disney prince. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. But anyway, DC is under Warner Brothers, and the thing about DC Comics is, I remember hearing one of the editors say, "We can't be too profitable, and we can't make too much noise about what." we are or aren't making Hmm. because then Warner brothers will look at us and what that's when the print goes away. So I think DC as a company is running scared. And I think they still are, even though, I mean, this Hmm. is, this was a conversation I had a long, long time ago. It was probably almost 10 years ago now. They're still running scared when MCU is shown like Disney has figured out, get out of the way, let them do what they want. Yeah, they're making money for us hand over a goddamn fist. Well, I mean, let's not forget Disney was themselves in the comics publication business for a while, and they actually did fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they also, you know, if if I remember right, Avi Arad worked his way up the ranks through non Marvel films because he was working on the Spider Man movies. Yeah, and but I let's think, not hold him up as an example. But the but the thing is, he was the first person to usher in that uh, person with the guiding light of these these Marvel properties. And then when he moved into like the whole MCU thing and handed it off to him, Kevin Feige, Feige really took it and ran. Hmm. Yeah. So Marvel lucked into a corporate entity that was really supportive of what they were doing. 
and uh, a couple of of basically executives who loved the comics, hmm. knew what they were doing with the comics, and wanted to translate them well to movies. Kevin Feige is described by everyone who meets him as a true fan. Right. Somebody who's read mm. the comics and knows his shit. That's a big yeah. difference. And right? and so the people who are high up at DC or, you know, even, you know, up in Warner Brothers who are looking at, you know, working with DC don't necessarily have that true fandom. What they're wanting to do is make movies that make money and that is not necessarily the way to, to approach these properties with all mm. this history and all these fans mm -hmm. yeah you and need to make a good movie to make money that's true and i mean that's not necessarily to say that you have to be absolutely slavish to the past nope. in order to make these things good you just have to first of all recognize the character or the core of the thing that you're trying to get at what makes this character good or at least an idea that you can make something great out of mm -hmm. and then apply the right writers apply the right story apply well, the right and i mean marvel yeah. has got a system in place that works for them they do yeah. extensive like viewings and mm -hmm. reshoots and re-edits like they show these movies to a lot of different people and they keep fine-tuning until the last minute to make sure that the movie they release is as good as they know how to make it. And where they have, where they have failures are often because the director fought them. Like right. Ultron, Joss Whedon got burnt out. And he yeah. admits it now. Like He's publicly mm. apologized to Marvel. Like, you were right and I was wrong. And I, I was kind of being a jerk, to, a jerk about the whole thing. But, I mean, you get burnt out. Like, this is a five, six-year deal. Yeah. deal like and you are collaborating heavily because marvel is right there saying you, you're not just making one movie you're making one movie that is part of a larger universe and we need to tell you how to put things together because there are things that you don't know and yeah and you're juggling so, and spinning plates in the air all at the same time and uh, you know his job was taking his every waking thought right it's like how do you not get burned yeah. out and so well, you're you're having to craft a movie but you're crafting it with other other input they're trying to build a whole universe like marvel has been very successful but it's got to be draining for the creative talent Oh well, yeah, and I mean, even outside of the MCU, when you look at the Spider-Man movies, the ones with Tobey Toby Maguire and Sam Raimi, mm -hmm. the third Spider-Man movie... I was exhausted. Falls oh, apart. Ra Raimi did not want to do that movie, and all. And the only thing you need as proof is to watch it. Yeah. It's like, he didn't want to do it, and... I don't want to do this movie. Let's make it a musical for a while. Fuck it. Mm. I don't well, care. Like, oh, we're going to tell you that you have to have Venom in it. I don't want to have Venom in it. Well, you mm. have to. Okay, I well... want the vulture. Please. <laughs> like, this well, that's, is what and you that's get. Exact same reason why the, the DC things aren't working is because they have executives telling them who to have in it and who to not and what parts of the story you have to have. And when they're handcuffed like that, you know, how do you be creative? Well, like, you well, don't. That, and, right? Well, beyond that, you're, you're getting people like Zack Snyder who... Um, yeah. Zack Snyder is... He is a fan. I will mm -hmm. say this. You know, Zack Snyder is truly a fan. I mean, the man made Watchmen, and the man yeah. clearly loved Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder, unfortunately, is not a great director. He's a great visual director. Mm -hmm. He can make something look pretty. Yeah. I, I think he makes a lot of stuff where he doesn't completely know what he's making. 
Yeah, he doesn't know how to tell a story. He hmm. he knows how to tell a story. He doesn't know how to get at the truth of the story. He doesn't know what the themes of the story. He, um, I wait. I, then if he does, wait, you can't say he knows how to know a, tell a story and then like he doesn't know how to get to the themes of the story. Well, he like, knows how I to guess tell you a, could say he knows how to get from A to B, but he doesn't know he why knows it's how to important. get to A to B. He knows he yeah. knows how to tell the plot of a story. He doesn't know how to get at the theme of the story. He doesn't know the deeper meanings of the story. I can see that. Yeah. It's like Watchmen. It's like, uh, yeah. I, I like a lot of things about Watchmen and it's it's great to But how do you look have a at, movie? But there's no, it's a commentary on the 80s and, and on, you know, Nixon and stuff. And he kind of just kind of glosses over. He, he steps through the motions of knowing what Watchmen is, but it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but like, you watch yeah. Watchmen and, and here's some, here is a story that is fundamentally so deep, so so much about commentary, so yeah. much about society, mm-hmm. and it ends mm-hmm. up just being a superhero film. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Zach, hello, missed the point. You you have glimpses yeah. of greatness in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we should, you know, given the original subject of this podcast, we really should unpack Watchmen a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. That's a because, great idea. Holy shit. Um there are moments of greatness in that movie mm-hmm. and like the intro to Watchmen is perfect. Absolutely. That that credit sequence, mm-hmm. that opening credit sequence is I saw that and it's like this is going to be the perfect Watchmen movie. I never yeah. thought I'd see it. And then that's not what I got afterwards, yeah. but nope. it's you know the 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 amazing well pretty much any um property that's written by Alan Moore is going to be probably out of the reach of any filmmaker just because it's so it's so in depth and it's so tailored to being a comic and it's Mm so I'm not going to say out of the reach of any filmmaker I'm saying out of the reach of most of them yeah Yeah. yeah, almost any of them I mean V for Vendetta did a pretty game oh yeah yeah V for Vendetta like had serious political commentary Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and did a great job cinematically in yeah conveying those themes and having you really fully understand what's going on there. Yeah. yeah. And future Melissa. The- future Melissa. Mm? Write down Watchmen as a topic. Thank you. Oh, that'd be good. Mm. So, with <laughs> we've been recording for a really long time. Yeah, but, we need to kind of wrap this up. Yeah, but sure. but you know we can end on Watchmen. That's good. So. I mean, and V for Vendetta. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just land on Alan Moore and just oh, like yeah. trust that he'll catch us in his snake god belief. Huh. So, um, wait, do you guys want to hear what's in phase three? Sure. You already said that. No, I didn't go through all of them. Okay. Yeah, you you went through uh, Captain Marvel. I did hear that. Okay. Right. <sighs> Are you sure? Yeah. I did hear discussion. Got, yeah, you listed every Doctor single Strange. goddamn one of them. Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we did this. We did this. Spider-Man, Thor, Black yes. Panther, Avengers, Ant-Man, and Captain Marvel. Yes. That is I'm what excited I by all of these. Yes, I know. Yay. So, okay, sorry. So, V for Vendetta. So, <laughs> <laughs> Just go on. Go on. Do you good. guys, did I talk about phase three? <laughs> okay, so if we're going to talk well, about power dynamics, let's talk about and Watchmen and, and V for Vendetta, right? So, so, so we've got... Watchmen, which is this, um, you know, amazing in scope, both a mm-hmm. kind of disassembly of this alternate history of America, which mm-hmm. which allows 
Alan Moore to, you know, pick apart parts of American history and change them and give us new perspective on them. Mm-hmm. But also with the dynamics between the hero characters and who we thought was a hero character of Ozymandias, you know, bringing it around to, I have saved the world by destroying a city, mm-hmm. essentially. I've, I, through my Machiavellian machinations, mm-hmm. I have destroyed a city and therefore saved the world. Which I think is a very interesting mm-hmm. power dynamic right there. Mm-hmm. And the the elitism of we can destroy six million people to save six billion. Yeah. Although it was a number of cities, I right? Mean, it, uh, like, was no, it like it was, Moscow and New York? No, and like he had to no, do. No, it was just New York. No. It was, was a giant squid on New York. All yeah. right, I'm sorry. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah, which is. Which. Okay, one of the other great things about the Watchmen mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Is uh, first of all, Zack Snyder was smart enough to go. If I drop a, a giant squid, uh, a giant alien mutant squid on New York, that would just look kind of laughable in my movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is correct. I will say I agreed with his changeup about yeah. that his, in the Doctor Manhattan zap, and that, yeah. I thought that was I agreed. It Centering like that on Doctor Manhattan mm-hmm. gave it a whole new dynamic, which yeah. is something I really, really liked. Yeah, yeah, I. And and I think that was a very interesting twist on the story. I mean, mm-hmm. it changes. Um, I mean, I, it doesn't change the general focus of the ending, but it gives it this whole new dimension, which is like this is really clever. Even brings that. plot points together in a way better than the comic book did. Yeah, you know? it really and did. I was truly impressed by that. So mm-hmm. I will I will give Watchmen its credit for for its failings as a film. And good God, that love scene was atrocious. Ah. Oh god. It was a yeah. horrible, horrible thing, and I wish I could scrub it from my memory. But the ending was very nice. The, the beginning was great. The ending was great. There was a lot of mess in the middle. Uh, Haley, uh, whatever the fuck his name is, who played Rorschach, was great. Yeah, yeah. One real quick thing about uh, Batman versus Superman and great casting is the guy who played uh, the comedian, oh. James Dean. No. Dean Foster Miller, what if they're <laughs> he he played Batman's dad though? Oh, and yeah, like which is really oh. apt, I thought. You Interesting, know? especially since there's oh. there's alternative universe comic book version oh. where where the kid and the wife were killed uh, in Batman, but the father lived and he became a vigilante just twenty years earlier, and it's oh. like oh, I could see the guy who played the comedian. Like, uh, Dean Foster is the name or something like Matthew Dean Foster? Oh, anyway. Well, Alan Dean Foster was a writer of um, movie adaptations in the 80s. But anyway, right. um, yeah, Jackie, there's Jackie a lot of... Haley was Rorschach. Yeah. Th- yes. I, I yeah. almost said... Who played uh, the Hale- comedian, though? I almost said Haley Joel Osment. Same, <laughs> Rorschach, same which person. Been, uh, which would have been very interesting, too. Um, but- hold on. Uh, Jeff, yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, right? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan would also, yes, he was the comedian. He's oh, yes. also Very the good. father he, in Supernatural. Yes, exactly, and he oh, played Batman's dad. Yeah, and, I really, I really like him. Yeah, Patrick he's great. Wilson was Night Owl, and of course, he's mm-hmm. gone on to be very likable in a lot of other films. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, big fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not his fault. Yeah, yeah. No, but, and I've seen, you know, the short version of Watchmen and the long version, and they all have the similar good things yeah. and bad things. What I remember I, about seeing Watchmen in the theaters was somebody brought their three year old who started crying oh, when things God. got violent. And yeah, I went out do and complained to the manager afterward and got a free movie because I was like, seriously, 
Why did you let a three-year-old in? That's bullshit. Look at the Can meeting. I just reiterate again how glad I am to be down in Austin with an Alamo draft house where that shit doesn't happen? Yeah. Yay. Yay. Move back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't tell you my story. So we're I'm with mom and Chris watching Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. We get to the end. And mom is like checking in on like, wait, what was this? I didn't understand that. What was going on? She's like, um, who was the red guy? And I'm like, well, that's the vision. She's like, well, what is he? And I'm like, and Chris and I are like, well, I mean, he's an AI. So he's a computer program given form with sort of metaphysical ability. She's like, where did he come from? And I'm, I'm he's like, Jarvis. I'm like, yeah. mom. There was a whole film, like Ultron. She's like, I don't think I saw Ultron. Where did he come from? I'm like, Mom, I'm seriously not going to tell you because it's Ah. a whole goddamn film. (laughs) Like, I can't encapsulate a whole film in two sentences. So I think just just saying he's Jarvis is good. Although I don't know if that's all the comics were, were, but definitely character-wise and actor-wise, it's like, he's Jarvis. No, it's not. No, because he's also got an infinity stone in his forehead, and that's important. Ah, he's does, Jarvis. Does Doctor no, Strange no, have an I'm Infinity like, Stone? It's, there's a whole film mm. about where he came from, so we're just going to watch that. Mm. <laughs> so Mindy, we did. Do you, think, do you think Doctor Strange has an Infinity Stone? I think the odds are high. That's what I'm yeah. thinking, because one of them uh, controls souls. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Because uh, Vision has the Mind Stone. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a psionic mm-hmm. one. Which was the one that was in Loki's scepter, yeah. which mm-hmm. he was using to control. Mind control. Yeah. Mind. See, uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 So, yeah, like, mm, mm, I'm, very ex- I'm very excited for Doctor Strange. Here's the thing. The difference between... The MCU and the Apocrypha is the Apocrypha doesn't need to introduce magic. And the MCU mm. does because they have yeah. Thor, who is a god from another dimension. Okay, mm-hmm. so you got to cover that shit. And they did a great job. Like they mm-hmm. really did with the Thor movie. Like people are like, it's not that great a movie. I'm like, fuck whether or not it's great. It made you believe that Thor could join the Avengers without being all freaked out about a god. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. So now the next step is, can there be magic? I'm curious about that, too, because it feels like that... Scarlet Witch has magic. The Scarlet Witch is a Mm -hmm. gateway to Doctor Strange, but Doctor Strange is an important point in Mm -hmm. the MCU development because this is the movie that introduces the mystical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is something that if you're going to have the whole greater MCU, you need to bring that shit in. It's true. And that's why it was very, very important that they not only do Doctor Strange, but that they do it right. So I'm very Mm. excited for it because it looks like they're getting it right. And I'm so excited. What Ah. if, though, what if... So personally, I've always been more into science fiction than, than fantasy, although I like so fantasy like Game of Thrones is perfectly great. But I wonder if maybe as a society, maybe we're not that into supernatural anymore. That's, no, that's bullshit. Are you is kidding it? me? I think, no. I think huh? it comes and goes. It comes and goes, it comes but and we goes. just huh? had Twilight. And the only reason Twilight isn't big anymore is they finished the goddamn series. Supernatural is huge still. Yeah, that's true. Like, no. We've got Harry all of Potter. the teen. That's the true. Te- Harry Potter is great. That's true. All of the teen Supernatural lit is still going strong. All right. I'm willing to be disproven and, and uh, that it does well. I mm-hmm. hope it does well. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm excited because mm-hmm. I'm also a fan of Cumberbatch. To uh, me, you know, like Harry Potter, it's like it's supernatural. As long as there's lots of rules that I can understand how they work, well, yeah. then I'm more okay with it. But when it's mysterious, uh, you know, not unlike um, um, in in the Avengers, and her powers were like kind of mysterious. It's like, what exactly can she do? She can mess. With, she's weird, is I think what they said, right? Well, yeah, and and we haven't seen enough of her to know what the rules are, which no. I think is. You know, I mean, yeah, we've seen her in like four scenes, really. Honestly. Yeah. But it seems like most of her powers are of the telekinetic telekinesis variety, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I mean, magic works just like horror films, where the there has to be an internal logic. You don't necessarily need to be told exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It just needs to stick to its own internal logic, and it will all fit together. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this shit up. Okay, wrap. So, Wendy and David, uh, we mm-hmm. have been talking a very, very long time, like a uh, very long time about oh, Jesus, the, about the power dynamics and everything else about superhero movies of mm-hmm. recent years. Um, do we have any unifying things? I mean, we we started out talking about power dynamics and we touched mm-hmm. upon them here and there as we continued, but. Um, I mean, we can probably agree, you know, more people of color, more women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in general, although these are, uh, they don't have enough um, characters who, you know, are of color or women. I think in general, though, their themes are about power and control and they're anti-authoritarian and they're pro democracy they're pro kind of collectivist things of people coming together to do things rather than people being unilateral and Mm -hmm. and especially powerful people just acting out uh especially for reasons of vengeance rather than reasons that are you know more again collectivist and more things that people could come together with and decide what are good and bad to me it seems like it's against hierarchy and pro-democracy <laughs> I'm just gonna say more better. More better? That's what I want. More, more better. better. More comma better and also more better. Isn't this what like the people who in Star Wars they would critique that George Lucas's direction would be like act harder or just like oh, faster shut up. You with know more what feeling I mean. or something. <laughs> Once I more want of a feeling. More super superhero films. I want mm. them to keep striving to be better. Yeah. Like better representation, better inclusion. Mm-hmm. Like Star Wars, The Force Awakens, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I loved how I just saw women being women in mm-hmm. the background. It was exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that took my breath away because I haven't really fucking seen it before. Yeah. I want more of that, where women are just, you know, doing their job in the background, being a person. Just existing, Like their genitalia right? doesn't matter or something. What? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. I, I also like, um, I, I, in the example of what the DCU is doing in movies versus Marvel, is that um, dark and gritty doesn't necessarily equal quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, the dark- it's the depth of thought about what you're doing and it doesn't necessarily need to be dark. It needs to be well thought out and it and it doesn't necessarily need to be deep or complex like Civil War. It can be fun and light like the Avengers. It just has to be good. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, dark and gritty doesn't mean dramatic. Yeah. And, and dramatic and, doesn't have to mean like angsty. Yeah, and if you lead from your characters, you're you're naturally going to get stories that are engaging. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you find the core, what the core of the characters are, if you find that, that driving force and you're able to pair them up with characters that give you interesting dynamics, you're going to wind up with an interesting story that comes out of it. Well, it's like uh, what Lois McMaster's Bujold says about her characters. She creates a character and then she tries to figure out what's the worst thing I could do to them. Hmm. That's kind of horrifying. <laughs> and then that's the story like a she George tells. George Martin, yeah. Yeah. Like, so what's the worst thing you could do to Captain America? Have S.H.I.E.L.D. turn out to be Hydra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the worst thing you could do to these characters? Tell that story. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And, and they came close with Man of Steel. What's the worst thing you could do to Superman? Have him find out there are other Kryptonians, but they're evil. But they missed the mark on how they finished the story. Right. Hmm. All right. So it's time to talk about our Pleasure Dome recommendations. That's right. Oh, uh, goodness. Uh, Wendy, do you have one already? I do. Does it involve Hamilton? No. All right. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Like, David Diggs was just on Jimmy Fallon. Warning. Hamilton alert. So I got to watch that. And, you know, they just won the Pulitzer and like Hamilton love is still going strong in the household. Teddy is memorizing the whole goddamn show. And I'm so proud. What? You, 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 you did hear that I got a Hamilton alert on the most recent episode. You did? Yeah. You mentioned Hamilton and, and suddenly Claxon go, Hamilton alert. I haven't listened all the way through yet. <laughs> Tanya already commented on it, like within an hour of me posting it. Oh my God, Hamilton alert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the goddamn show. I know you do. It's fine. Um, I just the- I just figured I had to acknowledge it somehow. Cargill did tell me that many of you are talking about staging an intervention for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, my Pleasure Dome recommendation this week is actually Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. I'm going back to an old school obsession of mine, which would be Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, of course, wrote Sports Night, which Mm -hmm. was incredible, but most people didn't watch it. And then the West Wing came along and everybody's like, what is this amazing thing? And all the people who knew were like, damn sports night yo and then aaron sorkin had some personal problems and he left the west wing and west wing kind of went through some personal problems and aaron sorkin moved over to writing a show called studio 60 on the sunset strip this is west wing meets saturday night live Mm. It is the same sort of behind the scenes, how we make the sausage of West Wing, but the construct is around making a show, a weekly live comedy broadcast like Saturday Night Live. Now, it's not Saturday Night Live, but they call it Studio 60, Mm -hmm. but it's it's Saturday Night Live, let's be honest. It's got Josh Lyman in it, Bradley Whitford. And it's got um, Matthew. Oh, I'm blanking on his last name, but he was on Friends. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, Chandler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. and I, on Friends, he sort of specialized in neurotic, 
And here he is allowed to play much more warm and romantic, and I really like it. And, oh, um, uh, McKinney? Mm-hmm. McK- uh, from Kids in the Hall. Matt- not Matthew. Uh, Mark. Mark McKinney. He comes on pretty quick. Um, the blonde from Shaun of the Dead, she is a recurring character. Um, you get, oh, you get uh, the red-haired guy, Danny. From West Wing, he's on it. Like, there's a lot of the Sorkin, Mighty Sorkin players on there. It's so fucking funny. And it's as dramatic as both Sports Night and West Wing managed while being in the construct of a comedy. So, hey, I think most people missed it. I know I did. I'm just now watching it because Cargill gave me the discs. So, I give that a big thumbs up, yo. Rock on. Cool. What do you got? I've got one. I recently rewatched Megaforce. Oh God, so did I. It's awesome, isn't it? And then it's Fest, the thing. and then Fest bought me the Blu-ray from Japan. But anyway, <laughs> the discussion after Megaforce, of course, naturally wound up in Beastmaster Zone. Yes. Because why not? Well, because honestly, Barry Bostwick and Mark Singer. Mm. Yes. First of all, um, I will do a twofer. So. Barry Bostwick. I have my recommendation for Barry Bostwick being um, there is a video on YouTube of Barry Bostwick singing Jump for yes. My Love. I've seen it. With a whole array of background dancers in aerobic gear, including Gwen Verdon and Sandal Bergman. Yes. And it's glorious. And he does splits and everything. Oh, it's amazing. And then, and then Beastmaster. This is the second recommendation. Beastmaster being Mark Singer. Uh-huh. There is a video on YouTube from circa 1976 of Mark Singer performing Taming of the Shrew. Wow. In Canada. What? In a Commedia dell'arte style. Wow. Stripped to the waist. Huh. Kind of oiled up. Oh yeah, and and it's the introduction. It's it's the part where Patricio is, is talking about Kate prior to meeting her, and she comes in, and then there's the whole you know tongue in your tail thing. The best scene thing. in Taming of the Shrew. The whole best thing where they're mm. where they're sparring, and while they're doing all the Shakespearean dialogue, he's like picking her up and whipping her around and carrying her and like throwing her and and it's this whole dance physical comedy thing and. Um, it is pretty amazing. So I will link both in the show notes. Yes. It's, it's this two for Barry Bostwick and Mark Singer. It's like two great tastes that taste great together right there. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Mark Singer V. Yes, Mark Singer V. Mm. To, okay. me, he's, to me, he's Beastmaster, baby. Always. <laughs> really. Really, I did watch V when it was on and scared the shit out of me. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still. Chris has never Beastmaster. seen Beastmaster. It's on my list of things Why to do. Why haven't you fixed that yet? You've been married to him for like 12 fucking years. He falls asleep at 9 p.m. But it's Mark Singer and Ferrets. I know. I'm working. Like, it's on my list of to do. All right, David, what's your uh, Pleasure Dome recommendation? Oh, sure. Um... I've been following this great Twitter feed that's Captain Heck. It's just amazing. <laughs> There's also a Facebook account 
Captain Heck, H-E-C-K. It's just hilarious and now, just not Captain at all still serving. It's Cap the K, isn't it? No, no, that was Live Journal. That shows how long we've been in, uh, communicating via online. That was Live Journal. No, so no. It's actually how many Captain? online accounts do you have? Online accounts? Like Does that in include general? Google Plus? Like, y- yes. A dozen ish. Okay. But so- my main ones are Captain Heck, just a full out Captain and H E C K at Twitter and also on Facebook. Those are my main primary ones. I have over 100,000 followers. That was amazing. Wait, heck with a CK? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's yeah, like hell, but not. You're still thinking about Live Journal, honestly. That's I what know. it was in Live Journal. Isn't that funny? I still update Live Journal every now and then, maybe. I don't. Jesus, you do? Every now and then, if I want something that's more than like a sentence, you know. Oh my God. Every once in a while, I run across somebody who's like, oh, here's a great blog post, and it's a Live Journal post. I'm like, well, yeah, jo- and George like, R. R. Martin I still updates his live journal, and it's mostly sports crap, and you're like, dude, get back to writing. What are you doing watching football? I, I was going to say 90% of those posts I see are from George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so apparently David and George R. R. Martin are the only people left on live journal. We're best live journal buddies. We're just pals on live are. journal, because we're the only two on there. <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, my husband. Wrap. My husband wants to come to his actual bedroom. Oh, oh, oh! Oh, we can leverage this. Huh. This is like well past his bedtime. No, he says sleep on the couch, but I gotta wake him up. Oh, and bring him. okay, okay. I know, okay. I know, it's adorable. We have to buy a car. Yeah, I heard. Oh. I heard. What did you do to that poor fit? You bought that after I bought I my I blamed Honda. the goddamn raccoon gods, Melissa. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Ever since I hit that raccoon, shit has just been going wrong with my car. Oh. The angry raccoon god is a fucker. And so the fifth gear went out, and I called my one mechanic, and he's like, yeah, it's annoying, but it's fine. So we took it in to find out, like, what would it cost to repair fifth gear? And they were like, actually, your whole, tri- your whole drive train is fucked. Mm. It's full like, of raccoon goo. And I'm like, what? They're like, and I'm like, well, it's still safe to drive just without fifth because they wanted, like, they're like $2,000. I'm <laughs> like, Boy. my car is nine years old. I'm not paying $2,000 to repair it, motherfuckers. And they're like, I'm like, it's okay to drive though. They're like, um, no, because the engine could freeze and explode at any time. What? Mm. What are you saying? What? And I checked. I'm like, so I hit this raccoon, like, are you sure this isn't about shoddy workmanship? They're like, no, everything looks fine. I'm like, I still don't trust that goddamn raccoon. I blame the raccoon. All Ever right, since fair. the raccoon, my car has just been cursed. Okay. Watch out for the goddamn raccoons, people. Yeah, they'll don't, get, don't hit you. a raccoon. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't even look they're at them funny. Don't. Mm-mm. Motherfuckers. All right, so I think we've gotten to the end of everything mm-hmm. that we have to say finally. So, uh... Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been Melissa, and I have been joined in Austin by... Wendy, hello, goodbye. And and we have been joined once again by the ever-wonderful David. 
Hello, thank you. No, thank you David. for joining us. Yeah, so it was fantastic. Thank you. Mm. Even numbered uh, episode. I'm a little tipsy. I think we're all a little tipsy. So, I, I mean, one of these days we'll actually, you know, talk about like geography and shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll have to have you back, and we'll Yay. do this piecemeal. We'll 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 grab your knowledge, you know, anytime. Various drunken ramblings. So, thank you very much, uh, dear listeners, for joining us, and uh, we. We will see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com. Follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Okay, we're good. Happy, okay. happy, boing, 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 boing. Something happened, but it's back.